Welcome to KingCast with Barry, Colton, and Dan. We pray that this podcast would encourage, strengthen, and grow you in supernatural ways this year. Please like and share and send this to your friends. If you have any questions, check us out at myking.ca or on Facebook at myking. We have an interesting topic today, entitled it The Lies of the Devil. And we want to talk about five things that the devil tells people that um, throw them off track, can kind of even make them quit sometimes. And uh, we're calling it The Lies of the Devil. We want to touch on five things, and we'll just name them as we go and just share a little uh, on each one of them. The first one is uh, the devil is not real or that, is a, that he is a metaphor. So we want to talk about that first one. The devil is not real. He's just a metaphor for, you know, for things that, you know, that are bad in the world. And so they say it's not a being that's the devil. It's just the atmosphere that's demonic. Yeah, I think First uh, Peter 5, 8, um, and it says the devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you all napping. Yeah. yeah. Such a crazy... He's like, not actually a lion, but he's behaving like a lion, looking yeah. to destroy you. Yeah. And I love how Peter actually implores us. He just says, so keep your guard up. Yeah. Don't get caught napping. Don't get yeah. complacent. Because mm-hmm. the devil, like a, a wolf or a lion, they look for the weak one of the pack. Yeah. The one that's isolated or separated, and then they, they go and try to take him out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our job is to wake up. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not be caught complacent or yeah vulnerable to the lion. Yeah, yeah. it says to resist him. Mm-hmm. So that takes effort to resist something. Yeah, right. Yeah. It says to not believe him. Mm-hmm. So obviously he is telling us stuff, or he's telling the world things. Yeah. Um, I also I always say, well, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. Just read that. Yeah, Matthew yeah. four. <laughs> <laughs> that account yeah. to know that he's real. Yeah. That he tried to even destroy Jesus or stop Jesus from fulfilling what he was called to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, to the point where he even says to Jesus in Matthew 4, I can give you riches. Mm-hmm. I can give you all these things. So he's he actually, in that, in that word, is claiming ownership over this world, that he's the one who, who is the ruler of this world. Right, yeah. And he's saying that to Jesus' face. Yeah, and <laughs> like, Jesus doesn't say, no, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and if you, like, a lot of the New Testament writers, they, they there's many names and things they warn you about Satan. Yeah. They call him the accuser. They say he's relentless, that he's a murderer, he's a liar, that he stops them from doing things, that, yeah, yeah so... He has ability to, to uh, blind the minds, yeah. as people should believe. Yeah. Yep. So we have people all over the place with really blinded minds. Yeah. And that's why what we want to do when we're sharing the gospel is we want to get to the heart of people. Yeah. Cause that heart or their spirit can override that blinded mind. Yeah. Cause the mind is kind of ruling and saying, Oh, it can't be true. It can't be true. So yeah. Blinded the minds. You, you had a, a few other scriptures that said that what else he was. Yeah. This one here, John eight forty four says he's a murderer right from the start. He never stood with the truth. For he's full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue. Yeah. Revelations twelve ten says he's the accuser of our brothers and sisters who relentlessly accuses 
Have you ever felt relentlessly accused by yeah. him of something, <laughs> yeah. bringing up something? Yeah, condemnation over and over again because you did something or said something and can't seem to get rid of it. Yeah. That's him. Second um, Corinthians 4.4, 4, For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. So again, the God of this age, which Clayton Satan claimed to be in front of Jesus, mm-hmm. the God of this age. Yeah, I feel like when I talk with most people, there's there's two responses, either um, on both ends, from Christians and from non-believers. And I've talked with people that have had bad things happen in their life, and they'll say, why did God do that to me? Uh, so they mischaracterize God. and Thinking and, he's probably the only being that has any power. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, they'll say like, so do you believe in Satan? Well, yeah, I, I believe in that. Do you believe in God? Uh, maybe. It's it's funny that some people have more belief in Satan than they do yeah. in God. <laughs> but then when it comes to anything in their life, they blame God, God for it. It goes bad, yeah. <laughs> and so there's this this case of, yeah, you know, this happened. Why did God do that to me? Well, it's actually Satan who came to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm-hmm. And it's him that's coming to try and ruin your life, not God. God is for you, not against you. So um, that wasn't God. And then the other end of it is, again, with non-Christians and Christians, if you're a Harry Potter fan, it's almost like Voldemort. Like, don't say the name Voldemort. Don't don't speak of Satan, because that just gives him too much power. Just ignore him like the annoying dog in the corner where if he's yapping, just don't listen to it, and eventually he'll stop. You're then giving... How many opportunities have you missed to bring heaven to earth? Because mm-hmm. the Lord says in uh, Matthew six seventeen, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So how many times in just ignoring Satan have you actually given him territory to come in and do something that you had the power and authority, God says yeah. in his word, to bind right. that up and say, no, that's not going to happen. Just yeah. like we talked about resisting just now. It's just like our responsibility to do the resisting part yeah. of him. Yeah. The other spectrum, too, can be, and we've seen this, is everything becomes Satan. And so you get really focused on anytime some you trip on the carpet walking into the a The devil store. made me do it. Oh, the devil <laughs> tried to trip me there. <laughs> I think just with Jesus confirming that he is real, we just need to understand that he is real, that he is attacking, and that, you know, sometimes people say, well, Jesus defeated the devil, and they think he's locked up somewhere. Jesus defeated the devil in your life, and so you have to take that authority over the devil. Jesus couldn't do away with choice, because if he does, did away with choice, then we wouldn't have any choices to make, right. and we'd all be choosing God, yeah. even though it's not from our heart. Yeah. And so he has to exist uh, at least till Jesus returns. Yeah. And so he is out there. He's defeated, but he is not bound in some bondage place where he can't get to us. The second thing I think we really want to touch on, it doesn't matter what you believe. And this is a big one because when you talk to different people, uh, so many of them will say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe because there are different paths to God. Mm-hmm. In that sense, of that, that's one of his favorite favorite ones is that, you can get to God through this form of religion and you can get to God through nature or the universe or some of those things. And so it doesn't matter what you believe. I think Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says it very clear. Neither is there salvation in any other 
for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Mm-hmm. And so I think we just chatted real quickly on this. When you look at the devil, uh, he's the architect of sin. Back in the book of Genesis, he's the architect of murder. Yeah. He's the architect of deception. And yeah. he started it way back as people think, well, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Well, you just read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, and you'll find that he is the one who brought sin into the world. Yeah, and I, I've said this um, before, I think, on here. Satan came to lie, kill, and destroy. He can't actually do any of those to you until you believe the lie. Yeah. When you believe the lie, then he can kill and destroy. And so that's when he comes and he speaks in a lie into your into your spirit or whispers something and gets you to believe something about... It's what he did with Adam and Eve, right? Well, if you ate this apple, you'd be more like God. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, they believed the lie. They stepped into it. And then that's the outcome was, well, you're out of the garden now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sin has consequences all the time. Yeah. yeah. So if you, and then James says, if you resist the enemy, he will flee. Yep. So there's this part in our part where, yeah, we can expect him to come in and like he did in the garden, try to erode the surface you're standing on with some lies, some deception. But if you resist him, he has to flee. Yeah, I just think of um, in the Gospel of John where Jesus is talking, and he's, I'll just kind of give you my own paraphrase, but Jesus simply says, I am the way. Mm-hmm. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm. And that was a pretty bold statement to a bunch of religious Jews. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he just simply says, there is one way. And I've had to wrestle this thing to the mat in my own life when I was kind of going through my own rebellion Because everybody kind of says, like, that's so arrogant. Like, how can you Christians think that Jesus is the only way to the Father? And we'll get to this in a little bit. But because he says, (laughs) I am the only way to get to the Father. And so it's the simple faith, this trust that we believe in the man and and the words of Jesus. And we don't believe any of the lies the enemy's trying to trip us up with. Yeah. Because anything other than clarity, than truth, just gets muddy. Muddy, yep. And we get so caught up in it, and we get confused, and then we get deceived, and then we start, well, who am I in all of that? It's just the truth it's of the, the truth, lie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when you start looking to Jesus for your salvation, that's when he loves to attack. Yeah. And that's when he loves to, you know, I've, I've, I've known people... Um, that have a hard thing going on in their life and I've been talking to them about it and uh, you know they read the Bible and they say you know what I can't even get started in the morning unless I read my Bible Mm -hmm. and so they read their Bible and they get the life from the Bible and they get through their day and the next morning they wake up with this same hardship or this same problem in their life and they read the Bible in the morning and they do this for quite a long season and I had a friend that did this for probably four to five months. And then one day when I was visiting him having coffee, he said to me, well, I've been looking up a few things. Don't you think there's other ways to God mm. except through Jesus? And mm. I'm like, what changed your mind in the last four months? Mm. You've just been getting life out of the scripture every morning to get through your day. And all of a sudden these new thoughts were coming wow. that, well, you know, uh, maybe through Buddhism we can mm. get to God or there's, other religions that we yeah. can get through God, get to God through, because you know it's all about love. Mm-hmm. Is, what he, is what he said, and I thought, wow, 
Mm-hmm. There's the there's the enemy influencing mm-hmm. what you're trying to believe because it matters what you believe. Mm-hmm. The next one we want to talk about is it doesn't matter what you think. You can just think whatever you want. Uh, that has no power in your life. You just go ahead and think as thoughts come into your mind. Somebody says something, you have a thought. You don't actually take any time to assess your thoughts. Mm. It matters what you think. And, and I think... Uh, one of the enemy's strategies, Satan's strategies um, in the thinking realm is to make believers think that they have the right to be happy. Yeah. And so that sounds one. like, what? What do you mean? We, we, mm. Jesus wants to be happy. Yeah, he does want us to be happy. But the enemy takes it a step further to say like, well, it's your life, man. Like if you want to mm-hmm. smoke that or drink that mm-hmm. and that makes you happy, then go ahead and do that. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, you want to... Oh, you're you're tired of your wife and you want a new wife? If that makes you happy, yeah. then go ahead and do that. And so there, it's it's he. What I think the enemy does is he always takes something that is true, but doesn't tell the full truth. So he gives you parts piece of, of it, piece yeah. of it, where Jesus wants you to be happy, and he'll give you the right ways to be happy. Yeah. The enemy comes in and gives you part of that and lies to you again, and it doesn't actually lead to happiness. And so you begin to just kind of accept thoughts as you hear them on television, or you accept thoughts as you hear them uh, from your friend that that tells you what they think, and everybody's telling you how they understand life and how things can get better for you. And so you begin thinking along those lines without taking the time to, wait a minute, who's giving or who's trying to influence me through my thoughts? And if you study the devil at all, you realize that is really his only tactic but the bible says that he defeated him the bible says that jesus defeated the devil well he didn't bind him up and throw him in prison but he bound his ability to physically attack us i mean yeah. if he if he could wouldn't you think he'd walk anywhere with a baseball bat and beat the daylights <laughs> out of the three of us i mean we're talking trash against him yeah. so you think that he would do that but he can't he has no power yeah. but he can influence our minds or he can influence other people's minds to attack us mm-hmm. those are that that's the only place he can so it, it does matter what we think yeah and I think Paul kind of gives an order to the Corinthians church in Second uh, Corinthians 10.5. People are letting their minds run kind of wild. And he says, we're not fighting flesh and blood, you guys. We're not fighting everybody's opinions and things and what you think of people. He says, but we're fighting this spiritual battle. He says, mm-hmm. cast down imaginations. Well, that's yeah. in your mind. Mm-hmm. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, mm-hmm. where's that? In your mind. And bring into captivity every thought. Where's that? In your mind, to yeah. the obedience of Christ or yeah. to the Word of God. And so he is always trying to affect our thinking because yeah. then our thinking will affect our believing and then our believing will affect, does he really exist? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and even on the other end of that happiness or where a strategy with thinking is to make you think um, you have the right to be happy, the other end of that is uh, he attacks your thinking with filling it with fear. Yeah. So then you're afraid of everything. You have a fear of, well, I can't share this with this person because I I have fear of man. And and, and it just goes on and on and on. And I can't leave my house because of this. And what does so and so think of me? Yeah. Without even having any proof. Yeah, exactly. I like, um, I don't know if I've read this in the message before, but we've talked about this verse a bunch, Romans 12. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, (laughs) fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out 
readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond. Um, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Yeah, that's well, good. Man, the way that we think is so key. My old history teacher in high school used to say, if you want to be an eagle, you can't you can't hang around with the turkeys. <laughs> if, you, if you're poised to be an eagle, spread your wings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's the same thing like uh, you guys were just saying. The devil's going to sow the wrong kinds of seeds, yeah. the seeds of discourse and the seeds of fear and yeah. the seeds of accusation. Yeah. And the Word of God sows the seeds of love, joy, yeah. peace, Patience. power over the devil, yeah. those kinds of things. So it doesn't matter what you think. Yeah. Number four, it doesn't matter what you say. Mm. That doesn't have, you know, what you say doesn't have any authority in your life. The devil loves to tell people that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've taken, you know, because some people have taken that to an extreme, yep. uh, perhaps. But the, but it doesn't matter what you say. Because totally. when you stop and think about what you're saying, you're actually saying what you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Because it's the overflow of your thoughts. It's the, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, the Bible talks about being snared by our words. Yeah, I really like um, in the message also, it's James 3 says... There's a whole bunch of cool analogies, which I think is so sweet because Jesus did it all the time. He told parables. He painted mind pictures. And James does this here to all talking about the tongue. He says, a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship uh, sets the course in the face of the strongest wind. And then it says this about your words. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can actually accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark to set off a forest fire. A careless or a wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, or we can turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on the reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. That's crazy. You can tame the tiger, but you can't tame the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's... that. Going back to other podcasts, that's the flesh. That's mm-hmm. what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Our unbridled mouth, our unbridled tongue could cause so much chaos. I think in the church, we often look at like the big sins. But man, gossip should be yeah. <laughs> in its rightful place of causing yeah. chaos in the church and in the world. And and we've seen it the same in our missional communities with like prophecy like speaking God's word and his thoughts about some stranger can absolutely change their whole day, yeah. their whole life. Yeah. That is the power of the tongue. You can use it to fling mud yeah. or like adorn people with the truth yeah. about how God sees them. Yeah. Yeah. You can use it to build a person yeah. up or tear a person down. Yeah. So. It's the, it's the most powerful tool that we have. Because in the beginning, God said, mm. yeah. let there be light, yeah. let he there spoke. be permanent, let there be animals. Let... Yeah. He spoke and um, he showed us that how powerful speaking and f- your speaking and faith are connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're almost one and the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're thinking right and you're believing right and you're uh, understanding the scriptures right, you become a powerful person person with yeah. your tongue yeah. mm-hmm. you share jesus with your tongue yeah right you build someone up with your tongue yeah right yeah. you you do all these things and so it's so powerful that i think we need to sometimes stop and think you know what am i saying yeah right. <laughs> yeah to yourself through yourself yeah. yeah it's like it's a big thing it's huge yeah. and you can you can think something 
but it's not until you verbalize it where it actually affects the things around you, yeah. right? So I could think something about Colton for five years, but unless I ever say it, he might not know that I actually really admire something about him. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's this powerful transaction yeah. that actually takes place. It's like if you're shopping at a grocery store and you've got all this groceries loaded up in your cart, you act, that's actually not yours yet until you pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the words are the currency of our minds. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's not until you make that transaction, transaction. that you actually take ownership yeah. of what you're shopping for. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> As you're talking, just thinking about uh, when I got saved, I got saved back in uh, January the, the uh, 2nd, 1993. And it took me, I think, almost... 12 years before I finally wrote a letter to the person that had shared the gospel that I got wow. saved. Because yeah. it just eventually got to me like, why haven't I thanked that person mm-hmm. yet? Yeah. You know, he's out there preaching the gospel and doing his yeah. thing, and I haven't even told him that yeah. I'm one of the fruit of his That's cool. lips. Yeah, yeah, and so I did write a letter and just tell him that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, guess we better finish off with this one. Um, and this is a big one, and we could probably just do a whole topic on this one. I think Colton and I did last year, we touched on it a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. The Bible is not literally true. A devil loves that one. And mm. especially in the last about four or five years, he's really been taking, just trying to twist Scripture and get people to say, well, how could that be true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that even, that, could that happen? Yeah. Is that an event that could have taken place? Can the earth really, be, could the whole earth have been flooded or was mm-hmm. it just maybe a little portion yeah. over here? Yeah. Right? And so he begins to tell these lies. And I think as a believer, I know as a believer, I don't think this as a believer, I know as a believer, you have to have the truth of the word of God is your foundation and that it is inerrant. Yeah. So you have to, first of all, number one, believe that the original written scriptures that the uh, God gave through the prophets, and Jesus confirmed this, are inerrant. Mm-hmm. He said they cannot be broken. Uh, Colton's Bible said they cannot be in error. And Dan's Bible says uh, they do not Lie. Scripture does oh, yeah. not lie. Yep. Scripture does not lie. I wrote it down, but I didn't know what I could read my own writing. <laughs> but Scripture cannot lie. And so we have to understand that, you know, some tra- everybody's the translations take liberties because people are talking from what, their background, what they know, their feelings about things. Uh, but the bottom line is that Scripture is inerrant. Yeah. And it's impossible for me to just simply prove that to you. Yeah. <laughs> And the Bible says, um, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Mm -hmm. And I think there is some element of, you just have to believe that what is in this book that we're all holding right now has the power to change your life like it's changed ours. And if you do get into the, the evidence and the science and like the historical data, this book is incredible. The amount of things historically that back it up to say, Oh, that totally would have happened in that culture period. Like it is amazing. But at some level, uh, you have to be okay with the mystery of not understanding everything. Exactly. And you have to just be like, that's what faith is. Yeah. God, I believe what you said. I believe every word that you spoke was perfectly timed. It was perfectly placed so that I can have a relationship with you. Yeah. It's not a convincing, it's not like a textbook. It's just, it's, it's his word mm-hmm. to his people and the story of that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you just have to embrace it. That's exactly. really what it comes down to. Yeah, just like saying Jesus. 
yeah. hey, you're the way, I believe it. Yeah. This Bible is inerrant. I'm going to believe it. It's yeah. literally what John uh, 14, 21 says, um, at 22. Um, he goes, Jesus is talking about those who love me, obey me. Um, my Father will love them. And then they go, uh, why don't you, why are you just telling this to the disciples and not to everyone? And Jesus says that. Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's this point, like you just said, like you have to be bought in mm-hmm. for it to be real. Yeah. <laughs> you can't sit on the fence because the devil owns that too. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be fully in as yeah. a follower of Jesus. He doesn't ask for like 10%. It's a free gift of salvation. But like we said before, it costs you everything. Yeah. I just want to read uh, Hebrews 4.12 as well. And uh, this will sound a little bit different again because it's in a different translation. But God, God means what he says and what he says goes. You got to humble yourself under that truth. (laughs) You are not the end all. Uh, It says his powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and like Colton just read and obey. Yeah. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter how hard we try. Yeah, and I just think uh, Barry gave us some homework not too long ago. We had to answer eight questions, <laughs> just these theological questions. But uh, we were required to read from three different sources of scripture. Mm-hmm. And and so we've heard people say like, oh, you know, each Bible's different. So we read three different sources, and here's the thing. Words changed, but the meaning Meaning. was always the same. Mm -hmm. It got to the same point. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was about Jesus. It was about the thing he was getting across. Yes, people have come in, changed around some words. Um, And certain translations speak to you better than others. When you check it out, though, you find out, yeah, that old King James did say that. It's just... The these and the thous messed me up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think too. It's just like um, I can't remember which which dude it was, but he says, "I want to believe, help my unbelief." And there is elements of this thing that you don't fully understand, but it's the heart of at the end of all of it. Yeah, saying I want relationship with yeah. you, Father God, through Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and like Zachariah and Mary, they both had doubt. But they maybe had different motivations because the priest was muted for nine months yeah. and Mary had favor with God. Yeah. Yeah. So doubt is allowable as long as your motivation, I think, at the end of the day is to have communion with the Father. Yeah. Which, coming back to the enemy, is what he doesn't want you yeah. to have. Yeah. So know the Word of God. Know what God says and thinks about you through the Scripture, through your own prayer life, through community. Submit your thoughts to Him you can actually have the truth, mm-hmm. which allows you to have a relationship with the Father. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah, cool. And, and just as you're talking, I'm thinking, of all the people that I know have questioned Scripture, come to think of it, I can't think of anyone who's ever questioned anything written in red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they question all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? But yet Jesus said that yeah. Scripture is perfect. Mm-hmm. It is inerrant. Listen to the prophets. Yeah. And, he, and he talked about all these events mm-hmm. that took place. And I'm thinking... Uh, uh, of somebody who was in my office one time when asking me all the test questions about the Old Testament, and I just said, "Well, do you think Jesus is real and what happened and the, those events and the history?" And they go, "Oh yeah." And what about what he said? And uh, she says to me, 
I believe every word that Jesus said because it is impossible for anybody to come up with what he said <laughs> and what he did. Yeah. And so as she was reading it, she was getting that part of it really well and the devil was creating this doubt in her mm-hmm. that some of the Old Testament stuff was too harsh. It was too mean. That yeah, can't be yeah, God. Yeah. God's different in the new and the old. Yeah. It's a perspective. If I read the Old Testament with the understanding that God is love, mm-hmm. So I read Genesis 1.1. Yeah. In the beginning, love created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. That changes the whole yeah. Old Testament yeah, for me. Cool. Yeah, There's a purpose for it that is different than what we see so many times around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to leave you with some encouragement um, as we talk about these strategies and the tactics that Satan tries to come at us with. I want to remind you of this. Um, first, if you're not a believer, accept Jesus into your life. Submit to God and watch the enemy flee. Mm. Um, and then secondly, if you're a believer and, you've, and you're struggling with some things, here's the encouragement. As a Christian, we are the only real threat to Satan's power. Mm. Or even better yet, a reminder of his failure. Yeah. Every time Satan sees a believer, he is reminded he will never occupy God's throne. Imagine how angry he gets when he learns that some of us are even willing to lay down our lives to take this kingdom away from him. Come on. We encourage you today. The Lord has placed things in you, authority and power, and it's through your words, through your thoughts, uh, through your actions. Speak um, Jesus and watch what happens around you. KingCast is an outreach of My King Ministries, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Please visit us at www.myking.ca and check out all the ministries from house church to teaching and books, past podcasts, and much more. Have a great day, and don't forget to keep your heart on Him.